Hi, my name is Jade and you are listening to the It's a Mind Game podcast, where the goal of every episode is to share and discuss different experiences of struggles and triumphs throughout our everyday lives. I aim to open up the conversation on topics that are harder to discuss or sometimes difficult to find people to talk to about. I hope you can find both comfort and inspiration here and continue to evolve into becoming your happiest, healthiest and most successful self. Hey everyone, welcome back to It's a Mind Game. I'm super excited to have Sarah Menlove joining us again. So you first met her on episode 20. Uh, she is a body image and eating coach and we thought it would be a good idea to come together and discuss some questions that you had around eating disorders, overcoming exercise addiction, intuitive eating um, and I guess all the things that come into play with diet culture, HA, um, and I guess that whole fitness environment. So without any delay, I'll bring Sarah in. Welcome back, Sarah. Yay, thanks for having me back. So excited to be here again and looking forward to this chat. Yes, me too. So obviously um, the body image coaching and the intuitive eating is something that you, I guess, specialise in. So no better person to have for some of these questions because I guess they are quite juicy ones. Um, I thought the best way to go would just be to – uh, bring into play the questions that some of our audience has brought up and then we can sort of chat about it and go from there. Yeah, sounds good. Let's just roll and <laughs> tangent and see what comes up. All right. So I guess a big one would be with people that are having uh, eating disorders, going from binging through to intuitive eating, um, I guess from a coaching front and if your personal experiences play a part in that too um what are your common practices or methods to help people overcome yeah so my initial question and something I always invite people to explore when bringing up the concept of binging is rather than like rather than looking at binging as being a problem or something that needs to be fixed is looking at what is this providing a solution to? What is the positive intention of having this behaviour? And on a physiological sense, for the most part, for people who have had a history of disordered eating and restrictive eating, the binging is actually the physiological response of the body to compensate for that um, restrictive period. And that for, for most people that I work with, that's where binging or quote-unquote overeating comes from which is actually the body trying to make up for that calorie deficit and also for the psychological component that goes with that when you've been telling yourself I can't have this I can't have that um, for so long that that's then all that you seem to want and there's this feeling of being out of control around food which might be said to be a binge episode so my usual go-to from that place and obviously this is individual and depending on whoever it is that I'm working with at the time and what their past history has been like and their relationship with food is really to address any form of restriction whether that's physical restriction and saying that they're actually not eating certain food groups or they've cut out complete um, foods from their from their diet or they are allowing themselves to eat those foods again, but they're eating them with this mindset of this food is bad, I shouldn't be having this, feeling guilty, telling themselves I'm going to only have a certain amount even though I actually want more. That's 
still coming from that um, diet mentality, right? That mindset of good, good and bad mentality around food, which then can lead to binging. So I don't know. I hope that kind of answers that question. But yeah, if you're someone who is in that place of experiencing feelings of being out of control around food, I would encourage you to look at where you're actually trying to control food, (laughs) which is then leading to feeling out of control around food and addressing any areas of restriction, diet mentality, um, or even psychological restriction that's coming up for you. Yeah, well, I guess an important part of that is, and you've brought it up, is that there's multiple facets of that binging mentality. So one of them definitely being when you've been on a restrictive diet for such a long period of time, it's those as soon as you expose yourself to food, you can't stop. Um, And through my own personal experience and experiences I've heard of, it does tend to be that once you once you start increasing your calories, um, that feeling of binging can start to dissipate on its own and it does simply come from the fact that you're finally raising your body weight up to a place where it needs to be. Um, mm. Then you've got the emotional level where it could be you're using food as a way of masking your emotions, you're using food as a way of um, hiding away from reality or it's created an attachment where it's either you use it to enjoy or you use it to self-sabotage and also bring yourself down. Yeah, yeah, so the two different parts to that being the restrictive and the emotional and I think a big thing for a lot of people is really destigmatizing binging because there's so much guilt and shame that people place on themselves for having those behaviors and a lot of that comes from diet culture and a lot of that comes from fear of weight gain and when you are like like you explained when you are in that process of reintroducing foods that you've previously restricted I guess from an intuitive eating perspective, that comes under what's known as the honeymoon phase (laughs) where you can actually go through these periods of time at at the beginning when you're reintroducing these foods of of just feeling like you can't stop eating them because the mind and the body are still trying to catch up with one another. There hasn't been this trust built yet where you know that that food is going to be safe and available and always there. And especially if you're someone who goes into this experience and you may experience what you consider to be a binge and then you revert back to that restrictive cycle and pile guilt and shame on yourself and and tell yourself, oh, this means that I can't have that food again, which only compounds that and only takes away from that trust that you're trying to build versus coming at it from a place of compassion and understanding that this might actually be part of your process. And if you can allow enough time with those foods that have been previously restricted then the charge the feeling of being out of control will fade because you will be building that trust with your um, with your body yeah and I'm not sure if you've come across this but I certainly have and it's the overuse of the term binge um Mm. so normally it's described I guess with bulimia, where a binge is you eat to the extent where you are physically uncomfortable ill. Um, 
but I find that it's been taken out of context where let's say you are at a movie and you buy a big bag of chips and you decide to eat the bag of chips. Um, mm. That's just you deciding to use food to enjoy, you know, a movie or something um, that allows you to celebrate, but it's not a binge. That could be you eating a little bit more than what you normally would, but by attaching the word binge to it, it instantly brings the guilt when really Mm. it was just a social thing that you were doing potentially with friends and family. Um, But that label and social media can do it a fair bit as well, like, oh, I binged on the weekend or I binged or I binged. And most of the time they didn't. It's just they might have had a burger. A burger's not a bit, yeah. you know, a, a experience where you physically can't stop eating due to whatever mental processes are happening, That that's a full-blown binge. Yeah, yeah. So it is really such, like, context-dependent and being able to differentiate, especially if you've come from diet culture where you're just, allowing yourself to maybe even eat past the point of fullness because you're enjoying a certain food or you're eating multiple foods that you might not have eaten in one set, one sitting in the past all at the same time, there's actually, you know, that's, that's quite normal behaviour around food and it's being able to say like, yeah, is this coming from what I've learned through diet culture or is this something that, might need addressing and like a you know am I using this as a coping mechanism is there something emotionally going on for me and again it's really removing the guilt and shame around that because food in itself is is not a bad you know coping it's like we need ways to cope sometimes with our emotions and it's when that is the only thing that you have the only way you have to cope that it can become a destructive cycle but it's like okay I'm choosing this this option right now and I've got all of these other options available to me as well where I think yeah sometimes there's a the the stigma around it is more from a weight gain perspective than a like how can we actually address what's going on emotionally yeah absolutely and I guess even if you had to draw like social parallels, if you've got, um, let's say we're not talking about and someone with distorted eating, um, but let's say it's Christmas, it's Easter, it's New Year's, whatever it might be, and it's a time where it's almost like a silent agreement that everyone's going to eat more than what they normally do. And it's nothing unhealthy. It's just that social environment, that, I guess, festive feeling that gets you joyous and wants to celebrate and enjoy all these different foods with the people that you care about the most. Um, And it can be that on those days people can almost feel like a free pass because it's like, all right, everyone's enjoying at the same time, so I don't need to be feel bad about today. When realistically, if you make the personal choice to eat a particular amount or indulge in some food that you don't normally have and really enjoy it, you don't need to wait for that special day in order to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's... Do you, like, have you found that you know, festive days in particular, like it's it's a free pass. It doesn't count. Um, oh yeah, and it's well, I can yeah, I can relate. Yeah, how so? Sorry, uh, um, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I can really relate in my own experience when I was highly restrictive with 
with my foods, it was like Christmas was that time where it was a free for all and, and there was this, yeah, no limitations. And because I'd been, I'd come from this place of such restriction, I did have, I did feel out of control and I did end some of those holidays or days, you know, on the couch feeling like, oh, I'm stuffed. But still, that wasn't necessarily binging, but considering where I'd come from, it was this feeling of being out of control around food because I'd given myself this permission. Whereas now, now I think when I reflect on holidays and things for me, it's a, it's a much more neutral experience. And, and food in general is a much more neutral experience because I'm not thinking like, oh my God, this is the only time I'm going to eat this dessert or this is the only time that chocolate biscuits are available or do you know what I mean? So I, I get to choose them and I can choose them in a really neutral way because I'll know that the next day, even though it might not be a holiday, I can have them then if I want them. And it, so it doesn't mean that it's much more even across the board where I might eat ice cream on a Tuesday or a Saturday or a Sunday. That doesn't matter. Whereas in the past, it would have been like Sunday or Christmas or whatever. Eat all the ice cream and all the biscuits and all the cakes and all the pastries all at the same time. Versus now, it's just like it really doesn't matter what day of the week it is or what holiday it is or it isn't. It just always be a choice. Yeah, and it's almost like there's empowerment in that decision that you can have it any day of the week because like you can mm. create the day where it's like all right this is the one time I can have this this and that but if you take it off limits and go you know what I can have it when I feel like it originally the intensity might still be there because you're still learning that it's okay but in time you get to a point where it's not if that particular food's in front of you it's not as though in the back of your mind you're thinking, how much can I eat? Can I eat the whole lot? Is anyone going to notice? It just turns into, oh, do I feel like it? Do I not feel like it? And you've got the power to easily say no simply because your taste buds either don't want it, you're not hungry, rather than it's not the day for me to be eating it. I don't want anyone to see me eating it, um, you know, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so I think um... – and within that question, it might have been like, how do I get from binging to intuitive eating? And obviously there's, you know, that's going to be individual, but like we've talked about, it's being able to remove those rules, remove those restrictions, bring awareness to when they are showing up and informing your food choices um, and having compassion for when they are showing up and being able to be in this place of empowerment like we've talked about for long enough right so it's knowing that okay as you go through this process there may be times when you eat more of certain foods than what you might want to or think that you quote unquote should but that is part of the process of breaking down those rules of removing yourself from those rules so that you can be in this place of empowerment and freedom and choice and staying, staying in the process for long enough right rather than resorting back to oh my god I need to restrict again which I think is the that's that sort of back and forth that can happen sometimes as you're beginning the process of intuitive eating is just knowing that you can trust this process you can trust your body you can build trust over time um, when it comes to yeah healing your relationship with food um I'm curious so I'm quite big on visualizations and mm -hmm. 
truly believe that depending on where you're at mentally, coming to a place where you can even challenge your food fears or what you eat on particular days and begin that intuitive eating process. Um, sometimes even, you know, what we consider the smallest of steps can be too big for some people to feel that they can challenge it. Um, and I've taken the approach with clients in the past where even something as simple as before you go to bed at night, first thing in the morning, whatever it might be, that you might sit there and close your eyes and visualise what it would be like to just sit at a table with your favourite people and eat that particular food with no guilt, no restrictions. And even in the visualisation, if you, like even the amount you consume, it doesn't even matter. But just starting to create an environment in your mind where you know what it feels like to not have that anxiety, to not have that fear. Um, is that mm. something you've ever used with clients before? Yeah, I love that. Um, I don't know that I've used it in exactly that way, but I can relate it to other sort of exercises that I've done with clients um, in terms of it's so like a mental rehearsal. So you're mentally taking yourself through something before it happens to create the feeling that you want to have when you're in that situation. Um, and I, I love that idea of around um, food experiences. I've probably done it more with different things like how they want to you know, take care of their body or, um, yeah, feel in their body, different experiences. And what it does, right, is it's training the brain. It's starting to fire those pathways in the brain to already be having the experience that you want to have before you've even been in the physical situation. So then when you're in the physical situation, there's like this, oh, I've been here, I've done this before, yeah, even though maybe you haven't. <laughs> yeah, but it, it takes the edge off. Um, yeah. And I find that even with those, I love how you termed it mental rehearsal because every time I explain it, I give a full spill and that's the perfect way to call it a mental rehearsal. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, but even just the, I, oops, sorry, baby just fell down. Um even with the mental rehearsal spot, is that it creates that place where there is no judgment to and even just opening up your mind to how you want to be thinking in that experience and learning mm -hmm. to shut off the negative thoughts. Because at the end of the day, if someone wants to challenge those eating behaviours, it's the thoughts that creep in that are going to sabotage it. But pre-programming mm -hmm. that, no, I'm going to sit here and when I look at whatever food it is or drink or social event I'm going to have these thoughts in my mind this is what I'm going to and then start to move on and evolve from there yeah and, and loading up the feelings that come with that in advance so you're like able to viscerally feel in your body like um, whether it's safety or freedom or trust you know like the sensations that you're actually having in your body because those come so almost subconscious like once you've got in that situation and you're so used to the whether it's anxiety producing or there's a stress response or whatever if your body's just used to that that's the pathway that it's used to going down so you're actually starting to create a different emotional response to a situation in advance and be able to like really feel that. And that's what, uh, with everything that we want in our life, that's so important because we are all operating off those emotions, you know, and that's like 
creating all of our experiences. So, yeah, yeah. that's such a great. Yeah, and I guess it, it's something that you can apply in, like what you said just then, anything in life. So it doesn't even have to be food or um, eating and things like that that you're challenging. It could just be if you've got some level of social anxiety, um, visualising what it feels like to walk into a room and be confident and okay. Um, I stumbled across the conversation not long ago, which was I think a lot of people get in their mind, actually, it was your Instagram story when you were dancing. Um, oh. <laughs> and people get that perception that if I look a particular way, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be confident. But the reality is that your weight isn't your worth. And in order to feel confident and in order to show yourself self-love, it's a practice. It's something that you do every day. And whether it be by showing gratitude or appreciation, um, like personally, I don't believe it's something that's just there all the time. I think we need to draw back and take a moment to think about what we're grateful for, to think about what we love, and then to move forward in our lives in a really confident and compassionate way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, definitely. I was just thinking... Um the mindset of that, like the, well, maybe we can, I wonder, are you open to shifting and because this might shift into one of our other questions that we had around uh, body image. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Um, and yeah, this, this question ca- came from a member of my audience that I thought was probably really beneficial for a lot of people. And she was asking how to navigate body changes when, You've gone. You've already gone through the initial process of healing from a restrictive eating or an eating disorder, and you've gained weight, and you came to a place where you were comfortable with that weight gain. But then down the track, you know, you continue on with your life, and you find that your body has become larger again, and so those clothes don't fit you anymore. Um, you're noticing that you're in a bigger body than you have ever been before. And how to, yeah, how to navigate that. And I think that's such a, for at this time that we're in, where a lot of people maybe haven't been able to go to the gyms and things like that, and people who are recovering from restrictive eating is, you know, we've experienced and you go through this initial change, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your body's going to stay that way for the rest of your life because our bodies will continue to change is how yeah and her question was a little bit um it was done in a voice note so I'm just paraphrasing it as best I can do you want to roll with any of that Jade and then I can um add to it as well I think first of all her honoring how she's feeling is really important um I think sometimes we can get stuck in like a body positive movement where we feel like we have to feel a particular way all the time and then the moment that we don't, we feel like we're failing. And and the reality is even if you have found a place where you completely and utterly love your body, love yourself, are happy in life, it's still normal to have the days where you doubt those things. And it could be like because you look in the mirror, but it could be because of emotional influences as well. So... First off, I think it's important to identify if the thought of your weight affecting your, I guess, emotions or your happiness, if that's been triggered by something external, i.e. a relationship breakdown, conflict, money, anything like that, 
because sometimes I find like personally and with clients that sometimes it's an, it's an external trigger and I'm not sure mm-hmm. with that. So suddenly, oh, my gosh, my genes don't fit. What the hell? Life's ruined. And it's not actually the genes. It's so far from the genes. <laughs> yeah. just need to back on every time. Um, and I think another thing is going back to, I guess, reprogramming thought processes and that whole your weight isn't your worth. Um, I often practice gratitude for my body and not in the way that it is I'm a size six and I'm happy about that, but more, you know what, I've got thick legs, but these legs are allowing me to walk this beautiful earth. And I've whatever arms, but, hey, I can hug people with these arms and, you know, I can feel love as a result of being able to cuddle someone or show affection and taking away from the physical size and shifting into what our body actually gives us the physical capacity to do, take you away yeah. from that I don't fit because suddenly it's like, well, it doesn't, fitting is irrelevant. It's what I've got the capacity to do that matters. Yeah, yes, what I've got the capacity to do in this body that I'm in that's not size dependent, you know, the capacity to hug someone, yeah, the ability to to walk through this life and do the things that I'm here to do in the world. And I love that you firstly just acknowledge the feelings because I think that's so important as well that body image, body positivity is a non-linear journey and that means that you don't just do the work, right? It's not like, oh, I've done the work now, I'm done. We live in the society that we live in where even if we've done a lot of our own healing work and we've peeled out so many of our own ingrained beliefs, we're still bombarded on a daily basis with messages that come from diet culture that say that certain bodies are more worthy or better or, you know, whatever, more lovable than others. And even if we on a deep intrinsic level know that not to be true and we've done that work within ourselves, constantly seeing and hearing those messages can still impact the way that we feel about ourselves. So it's like, you know, deep compassion for yourself for when and if this arises for you, knowing that it's not your truth but those messages, unfortunately, are still out there as part of the wider society and that you may feel something from that from time to time, but that you can come back to your truth and really sit with, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, what I'm telling myself about my body in this moment and then starting to peel that back, like what is the belief underneath this? Where is that coming from? What what am I believing about myself? Is it coming from this unworthiness piece or not lovable piece? You know, what is really the deeper core of that? Because we're constantly being shown different layers and having done some of the work, you know, you might have peeled out some of that layer and there might just be a little bit more there to go and that you can compassionately say, oh, there's, there's that rearing its head, you know, and really starting to, to look at where that, is, where that comes from and if it's not yours, really coming back to your truth. Yeah, um, I often refer to what you just explained as a default setting. 
So as an example, Mm. I've had, let's say, 10 years of thinking I need to diet, I need to train, I need to have a six-pack, I need to um, only eat clean foods, list the other 10,000 rules that comes with that whole psyche. However, I've only had probably two years of practising compassion, food freedom, um, intuitively eating, listening to my body when I need rest, listening to my body when I've got the capacity to train hard, um, actually listening to me rather than coding my brain with what I feel the expectation is in order to lead a happy life. So often when I get mm. into those moments of, oh, my gosh, my body's this or I need to jump on a diet or whatever it might be, it's like, whoa, hang on. With you're, like you're going back to your default setting, all right, which is you're not you're thinking in a rush, you're not taking the time to see where you're at at this point in time, and that's you know those thoughts more than what you know these new ones. And the reality is, the new thoughts bring me much more joy than any of the old ones ever did. Yes. I love that, the default. And I wonder if from your own experience as well, Jade, like you shared at the start, if the default setting gets activated easier when you're in moments of potential stress or emotional discomfort in other areas of your life. Absolutely. And I think it's a power knowing that. Because as soon as you Mm. can identify, hey, I'm a little bit stressed out, I'm a little bit nervous, I'm a little bit whatever the emotion might be, default switches on. Suddenly it's like, all right, I start to learn the pattern of where my mind goes. What's my state right Mm. now? Am I a little bit shaky? Am I a little bit upset? How can I lift my energy? How can I lift my vibration? How can I lift my emotional state? Then let's see how I feel about myself. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go get my hair done. Whatever it is to lift that state, see how you feel. Because highly likely if you're looking at your body, hating on yourself, and then you've recognised you're upset about whatever it might be, you call up your best friend, your mum, whoever it might be, have a really awesome chat, suddenly it's like, oh, my body hasn't changed one little bit, but I see it totally different. Mm. So stop. Yeah, kind of what comes to mind is like, don't blame your body. <laughs> you know, it's, we, we do exactly. get so used to blaming our bodies. But but maybe then I suppose coming back to, you know, when your body has changed, when physically your body has changed and you can see that by the fact that maybe a pair of pants that you were wearing two months ago, you put them on and they don't fit anymore. Then it's coming back to those practices that you might have been practicing when you very first started this journey of like, you know, clothing size, your size in general, really knowing that that is neutral, that that means nothing about you and that that doesn't actually have a limit on it, right? Because I think if, if there's this point of, I've gained this much weight, I'm okay with that, but that's the limit, then we're still placing some level of worth on the size of the body. There's still a, you know, weight gain is okay, but only up to this level. And that means that there's still a part of us that are subscribed to 
diet culture in that moment, right? That are still attached to certain bodies, uh, like almost the the diet culture mentality being weight gain is bad and weight loss is good. But when you can recognize that and sort of say, okay, I've I've departed from that belief system. Like that doesn't that doesn't align with my values. And there's actually not any limit on this that, that I trust my body will be where she wants to be, size, and that my size means nothing about me. It also means nothing about my health, right? We can be really healthy in all aspects of our life. And for a lot of people that I've spoken to, more healthier than ever in the largest body they've ever been in. So whether that's, you know, mentally, emotionally, socially, doing incredible things in their life, maybe it's in their business or their relationship, having freedom with food, all health markers are good, and their body's larger than it ever has been because our weight, our size is not our health. Yeah, and I think a big thing that goes hand in hand with that is I guess when people have, let's say they're at their largest size, um, irrespective of what that might be, is because they don't have all these rules, they've got the space to enjoy life at a different level. Um, and that could be mm. emotionally, it could be socially, but even business-wise, it's like, hey, I've got this incredible business idea. I want to help people. I want to do X, Y, Z. But if you're so consumed by needing to fit in that pair of jeans, whatever it might be, this incredible potential you've got to help people or bring joy or whatever it might be, like you're holding back on that for something. I'm going to say is simple, but I understand that at that point in time it doesn't seem simple. Um, but mm. as in if you could take yourself away from all the effort and energy you put into being your weight and expand on, I guess, your worth and what you're great at, how much more could you bring into your life just by doing that? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Taking up space really is what it comes down to, right? Like taking up space in the world and oh, I get chills when I think about this and also anger and a lot of other things, but it's no coincidence that when women stop focusing on fitting into that certain size pair of jeans and they go out and they do something really meaningful and impactful in the world, whether that be in their own families or their relationships or in a starting a business sense, that there is this tendency to come back to like, oh, but my body's changed and this is the most important thing about me because that's what the patriarchy wants, right? Wants women to continue to focus on their size rather than say, I am doing something incredible in my life right now. I have all of these gifts. I have all of these talents. I'm stepping up and, and being this version of myself that I've never allowed myself to be before. And that's what I'm choosing to focus on rather than choosing to focus on what size my clothes are. Yeah. Um, I guess going back to your, your question that um, I guess one of the people from your team had, um, because it's addressing the size up, I guess, is the hardest part of where she's at at the moment. Um, and I think on a physical level, 
getting rid of the clothes that are too tight or putting them in hiding is a really helpful tool because putting on something that's too tight is only going to shift you back to that mindset of I don't fit. Um, and that's not mm. going to really be feeling anything positive. But getting into what you were just saying then about how successful people can be and how much they can do if they follow that path is um, her expanding on what her strengths are and what she's passionate about. So rather than focusing on where my physical weight's at, whenever that thought triggers in her mind, it's like, all right, whenever I think that, I'm instantly going to focus on my course, on my business, on my um, meditation, like whatever it might be. But rather than stop at the thought of I'm bigger again, no, whenever I have that thought, I quickly think this instead. Mm. Or even like, what about this? Like, I'm I'm bigger and actually being so empowered in that and I know this might be this might take some time to get to but actually going yeah I am bigger I am living bigger like my life is bigger my life is bigger in all of these ways I have x y and z now maybe my relationship with my partner is at a level that it's you know where there's more incredible communication or there's a deeper bond between us or my life is bigger in the sense that I've built a community or I've created a, a course or a platform or a business or I've started a new hobby or whatever it is. It's like, how can you see the fact that you're bigger, your life is bigger as being an empowering thing and really reclaiming weight gain from diet culture, which would say, you know, that's, that there's wrong you need to make yourself smaller and saying like no I want to live my biggest life <laughs> and right now my biggest life requires me being in this body yeah ownership such a powerful thing so powerful because at the end of the day the only reason we can feel vulnerable about being bigger is if we feel like we need to be small but if we talk on that mm. no like I'm thriving right now there's no guilt association then bad about it thriving especially like you said with relationships um personally and through other people common denominator in people that have just let go of being a particular weight and just enjoying every day for what it is is that their relationships have improved out of sight and often we don't see how much our choices in the past affected those around us um and then mm. sometimes when we do, that can be a really powerful motivator to be like, I'm in a really good place. And as a result of that, everyone around me is in a good place too. Mm. Um, so, like I, I haven't had disordered eating habits for quite some time and I've been in a really positive place for quite some time, but it was only two weeks ago my mum said something like, oh, it's good to have you back. Like you come to mm. life again. And, oh, it made me want to cry because I I didn't know. I didn't know the effect I had on my mum as a result of me being so Mm. fixated on what, you know, health, if you want to call it that. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to be my best self. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, you know, you hear things like that from people around you and it – really makes you reevaluate and go, wow, like what you said, all right, I am living larger, but look how much happiness that brings. Yeah, 
and, and, and just living larger being how, if, imagine if that was women's goal as a society was to live our, low, our, our largest, biggest, boldest, brightest, most expressive lives versus our smallest, most shrunken lives possible. <laughs> what a More difference we would be able to make the work. Gone. Yeah. Industry. Gone. Um, I also think it would totally eliminate yo-yo dieting and everything if everyone lived that way. Because then there's no pressure. You just yeah. eat. And it would allow for cre- creative potential to flow. It would allow for um, you know social justice movements to make an impact for people to stand up for what they believe in, like we talked about, relationships blossoming. Yeah, and that's on like a a larger scale level. But I guess just to come back down into the world of, you know, if you ask someone who, whether you've gained weight for the first time or you've gained weight beyond your initial weight gain, my my response to this question really doesn't change because it doesn't matter. It's still a weight gain. It's still a body image kind of experience that you're having and I would always say like how can you double down on the way that you care for your body because I think when we sometimes get in that place of oh I've gained weight and there might be thoughts of this is wrong bad you know in the past maybe you resorted to punishing behaviors is how can you instead really care for your body and one of the things you brought up there Jade was yeah choosing to buy like choosing to buy a bigger size whether that's the first time you've bought a bigger size or the fifth time it doesn't matter it's giving yourself permission to care for the body that you are in right now and yeah that might look like getting a bigger size um, pair of jeans or it might look like choosing to really care for the way you move your body or you rest your body or nourishing foods that you allow yourself to eat all of your behaviours are based around caring for and respecting your body, where in the past they might have resorted to being a punishment or a restrictive pattern that might have come back up. And I think regardless of what your, you know, because it's a nonlinear journey and these thoughts might come up, it really is how you respond to them and really take care of yourself in those moments. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree with you more on all of that just to for one. But it just brought into my mind something I read the other day, which was the practice of if your body was a person and it was to write a letter to you, what would it say? Would it say, Mm. you know, you're you're starving me, you're trying to hold me down? Would it say, like, I'm sore, I'm broken? I'm Like, what would it say? And if that was your best friend, would you treat your best friend that way? Um, because often we Mm. like even though our body is ours it's almost like we get separated from it and it is this thing we can punish if we want to and we can make it fit a particular size but what if we took that Mm. idea away and turned it into no imagine your body is a physical person in your life who you love would you treat them that way yes what i don't even if you're in a really negative place with an eating disorder or whatever it might be I think that exercise would be confronting, but it would make the penny drop of, oh, wow, like I'm I'm doing some really nasty things to myself. 
Mm. Yeah, I think that like personifying the body, um, even switching out of calling your body an it, and um, some it's a practice that I learned through a coach of mine, and that I've been practicing in my own life and offering to clients as well, is being able to use the pronoun that resonates with you. So calling her a her you know saying um when you're talking about your body like if we're saying something's in it we're kind of like objectifying it's something completely removed from us versus saying this is what she needs how can I give her what she needs right now I love that I think it's so important because you know having that detachment removes the emotional state and sometimes, as awful as it might be, we really need to feel those emotions in order to move past our current blocks. Um, and I think, mm. you know, like what you said, identifying it as whatever pronoun it may be, um, suddenly we're actually in that emotion because it, it brings it to life rather than just being an external external um, Yeah. I'm just thinking because we've covered a fair bit today and I thought we might get one more um, thing in. Um, Overcoming eating disorders, if you were to have, I guess, one, not one, a top tip, a method, a way of overcoming that and stepping into a more intuitive way of living, what would your suggestion be? or multiple suggestions be to go from that, I guess, rule-based mentality into something that's more intuitive. Mm. Again, like, oh, gosh, that's such a a long process, right? Um, But, yeah, firstly, compassion, like I, I feel like I'm a broken record on this, but I think compassion is just the key to pretty much all healing because when we shift into compassion, we move out of self-judgment. So there's compassion for where you, for where you are at right now, knowing that what you're experiencing is not your fault. You haven't done anything wrong. You may have taken on board messages that don't necessarily... Um, serve you but you're here and you're prepared to do the work so really have compassion for yourself for everything that you've experienced up until this point and as you go through this process and then awareness like once you've realized that something needs to change and you're in this place of awareness with compassion and curiosity you can take those next steps. But firstly, you need to be aware, like what, what are the rules that you are following that are not allowing you to be intuitive? And really that's, that's any rules are preventing you from having an intuitive relationship with food. And if you are subscribing to any rules, even if you think it's a health plan or a lifestyle plan or whatever you want to call it, that that's actually subscribing to a diet and that's preventing you from having a true free intuitive relationship with food so bringing awareness to what your rules are um, where they've come from and then slowly beginning that process of removing the rule-based way of being around food so whether that's 
that you only allow yourself to eat at certain times of the day or that you only allow yourself certain um, food groups or, or whatever that you actually start to, to remove that rule and bring in more options, more freedom. And as you continue through that process, obviously challenges might arise, whether that's body image challenges or fears around certain foods. But being able to be in that process will then each time you meet one of those blocks, you get to work through what that is and where that came from, remove it so that you can continue forward rather than kind of meeting that block and resorting back to old behavior. So, yeah. No, I don't know if that, <laughs> that's kind of my initial thoughts to that question, but I'd love to hear yeah, your take on um, that as well. No, I think what you said is incredibly powerful and I'm on the same page with everything you said. I think if I was to expand on anything, use the word plan and due to, you know, marketing and sales and everything that is out there is that often people can see this intuitive eating, intuitive living plan challenge whatever it might be, and if your next step to be more intuitive intuitive is capped in by a plan, a week block, a month block, whatever it might be, some part of that is counterproductive because from the start you've got this end date when really we want to be sort of leaning into these new behaviours, new thought patterns in a way that we can continue to do it forever. And, yes, it will keep shifting because your life will continue to shift. Your overall journey will continue to shift. Um, but just opening up the idea that timeframes, blocks, things like that, there's still a rule. And we just, we just want an open yeah. journey. Yeah, there's not a there, there's not a there yeah. to get to. And I guess that takes a lot of a lot of pressure off yourself as well. So take the pressure off like it needing to look a certain way or there being an expectation on how long it will take to get somewhere because that is really a diet culture yeah. mentality, isn't it? To be able to um, know that it's going to shift and change throughout yeah throughout your life and being intuitive in general whether it's with food or, or anything else, is a constant um, practice and opening and learning and unlearning and uh, kind of like an exciting exploration. And if you can reframe it like from that curious mindset of like, oh, I get to explore this and I'm going to be exploring it for forever, then gets to be a little more fun and a little less pressurized and just this, this opening yeah, into what what's can possible. be what can happen yeah yeah um i think yeah. using the word exploration is is the best way possible because that's what the journey will continue to be it's like what will happen if i challenge this what will happen if i set this free or if i bring this in and the thing is you really don't know mm. the capacity you've got until you start putting into practice those things Yes, and I, I think that ties really nicely and just as a little finishing point maybe here to, I think there was a question around how to become more intuitive, right? And I know we're talking about food right now. I'm not sure if that question was related 
necessarily just to food or with movement or in general in your life. But yeah, firstly, removing rules and like control-based living will start to allow you to be more intuitive. But when you're kind of forcing yourself into a box or into like, I should do it this way, then you're not allowing your intuition to guide you. You're being, your decisions are being made from external sources, whether that's someone else's rules or what someone else is doing or what someone might think of you or fear of judgment versus listening to what feels right for you in that moment and being able to take the time to tune in and create space and make a choice for yourself and intuitive eating and intuitive living as well just gets to be this fun exploration but also a a kind of knowledge of or an awareness of where you are coming from a fear-based mentality like a I'm afraid this might happen, therefore I'm going to make this choice versus a love-based mentality of this is this is right for me. This feels good and right for me and comes from a place of love and listening and respect and therefore I'm making this choice and it's empowered and it's coming from love. Um, so that would be, yeah, my one tip for creating more intuition in your life is to create space and that might be creating one day where you have no structure no plans no rigidity and allowing yourself to go with like quote-unquote go with the flow you know go with the flow follow what feels good trust yourself listen to yourself and again just be curious and see what happens and see how you feel yeah in those I think what you said trust what feels good um, we overcomplicate things, but sometimes it is that simple. And it can take a little while to get there, but soon that intuitive living really comes down to just that. What feels good? What makes you happy? What brings joy? What brings Yes. <laughs> And just like everything we've talked about, knowing that can look different day to day. Um, and that's okay because we are constantly changing, constantly evolving. And unlike what diet culture teaches us, we are not meant to stay the same and we are not meant to be the same. Every day, every moment, you know, we're constantly in flux. Yeah. So, look, yeah. I feel like that's a really lovely place for us to finish our conversation with some lovely tips and to just honour what feels good, what makes you happy, and to just slowly, gradually get rid of those rules. Um, is there anything you'd yeah. like to say to finish off or uh, and cover where we can find you again as well? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a really beautiful way to end. Um, I just want to say thank you to all of both your audience and mine, all of... Um, our community who have put questions forward for us to have a nice conversation on today. I really hope that this has served you, that this has been helpful. Um, both of us obviously are here to continue this conversation if you want to reach out to us. And, yeah, you can find me again on Instagram at sarahmenlove.health and my website, Coaching as well. Amazing. Well, I yeah. just wanted to thank Please you again for being here and taking the time to 
sort of help people on their individual journeys and to open up the conversation to, I guess, distance ourselves from that diet culture. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love our chat, Sarah. Thank you so, so much. Thanks so much for listening in on today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we loved recording it. Um, please share it with someone who you think might also like it and subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with further episodes. Thanks again for being here.